My name is Vida Sister Prince. Today is Monday, November 8, 1993, and I am interviewing Clarence King on his life for the Oral History Project, Race and Memory in St. Louis. This is my independent study supported by the Missouri Historical Society. Like you mess up, make things okay. work. You know? I think we're rolling. All right, okay. Clarence. Thank you for coming, and um, uh, let's just begin um, with your date of birth, which is August the thirteenth, nineteen thirty. Okay, and um, who lived who lived in your home when you were growing up? Uh, my mother and uh, my two sisters. And your, where were you placed? Were you oldest, youngest? Uh, I was the second oldest. Second oldest. Yes, I had one sister that stayed in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and I had two sisters younger than me that stayed with me. Okay. So, um, why were they? Tell me about Little Rock, Arkansas. What does well, my mean? oldest sister stayed with my grandmother. I see. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, and where did you live? At uh, 2018 Walnut. And place that for me in the, in the city. Uh, that was uh, at, right at the Union Station. So th that was Mill Creek? Mill Creek area, right. Uh, Walnut and? Walnut and 20th. And 20th Street. Mm -hmm. um, and how, what's school did you go to? I went to Lincoln. I graduated from Riddick and I went to Vashon. From graduated from where? Riddick. Riddick? Mm -hmm. How do you how, how do you spell that? R I D D I C D. Riddick. D I C K. Uh did did you move at that time or Yeah, I went and stayed with my aunt for a while. And where was that? Uh she stayed on Evans. Oh, okay. I I've I've not heard of Riddick. Um What's the first things that you remember about? Uh, as I was coming life? up in my early life as a mm -hmm. kid, the first thing I really remember was the Union Station. And uh, it was so large, and might be being so small, you know, I thought it was another world <laughs> in that Union Station. <laughs> you know, and then the milk dairy, and um, the people they, uh, the people in the neighborhood, you know, those are some of the basic things that I first remember. And the next thing I knew, I was uh, going to school. And who were the people in the neighborhood? Well, uh, you had uh, a lady named uh, Lily Fleming. I used to go up to their house all the time. You had a lady that owned the tavern named. Uh, Miss Julianne Fields. Uh, I uh, know another lady down there named uh, Miss Susie Vaughn. Uh, they used to play a lot of poker at her house. She, all uh, the railroad porters used to come around there. And uh, I was up and down the streets all the time, so I remembered all these people, you know. And. Uh, I was just basically from 20th to, to 23rd Street was my area, you know, 
uh, especially from the time I was about five up until I was about uh, nine or ten. And then after then I went up, uh, I started going up a block further uh, to Jefferson. And because I'd go to the Star Theater there, you know, and down where I stayed, we had what we call the Strand Theater, mm -hmm. you know. So we had basically three theaters in that location, you know. So we had everything that we wanted in that area, being poor, you know, mm -hmm. poor and black. So I mean, uh, you didn't even have to go out of your uh, out of that area to to, uh, to get anything because it was right there for you, mm -hmm. you know. Did you go to the Union Station? Did you go inside? Sure, sure. Shan, she was in the Union Station. Did you did you work for somebody or just for yourself? No, I worked for uh, a guy named Mr. I think his name was Epps. He owned uh, that, uh, well, he, he, he rented that uh, space for that shoe shine stand, and, and uh, we worked for him in there, you know. What was that like to shine shoes? Oh, it was a great experience there because you got a chance to see people from all over the world there mm -hmm. in that Union Station. In its heyday, trains came in there from all over the United States because this was the Midwest. Mm -hmm. You know, it, uh, they talked about uh, Pennsylvania Station, but uh, to me, uh, St. Louis had about one of the greatest Union Stations, the railroad stations it was, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was real exciting working in there. I, uh, it was a great experience for me. Did were people good? Did, did you get you get tips? Yeah, you got big tips because see, you didn't make no salary. You just only got the tips. And uh, at that time, that was during World War Two, mm -hmm. and the soldiers, well, our tips was good in there. You know, mm -hmm. uh, some nights you make ten, twelve hours worth of tips, mm -hmm. and that was that was good money back in those days. Um. What does it take to shine shoes? Well, it, it, it takes uh, 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 the first thing you got to want it, you had to want to shine shoes. And if you wanted to shine shoes, you could get good at it, you know. Uh -huh. And the main thing it was was cleaning the shoe, polishing it, and brushing it thoroughly. And then come along ragging it, and that would be ragging with glossing it off, you know, mm -hmm. putting a gloss your shine to it, mm -hmm. you know. And that's when you see people right, going like right, that. Right, right, Well, that right. takes a lot of yeah. effort. Well, it's not so much effort as it was, like I say, wanting to do it. It didn't take any effort, mm -hmm. you know, if you wanted to do it, you know. Mm How -hmm. would you know that that was something to do? I mean, did you? Well, we automatically knew that was a way of, of making money, mm -hmm. you know. and. Uh, as a kid coming up, you didn't have too many jobs, you know, mm -hmm. that you could do, you know. And uh, that was one of your better jobs for a youngster, with shining shoes, you know. Okay. Um, what'd you learn on the Union Station? Uh, you learn how to meet people, you learn how to hustle. And that was the main thing. You had to the hustle to survive back in them days, you know. So that was the main thing, was learning how to hustle, and you learn it right there on that shoe shine stand. And hustling is just... Yeah, a, 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 a form of making a living. Making a living. Yeah, that's what it was. And what were, did you just go in when you wanted to, or did he... No, well, after school, uh, I got out of school, I guess I'd get out of school about three. 
and we'd get down there about four o'clock because everything was right in the neighborhood, mm -hmm. and we'd get off around eleven or twelve o'clock at night because I think he closed the stand up at twelve. Mm -hmm. You know, by the time we'd clean the stand up, it would be twelve o'clock. And so you you were pretty close to home. Then. Right, I was only a block from home. Yeah. All I had to do was go through the Union Station on the Twentieth Street, and I'd be right at home. Uh -huh. And so that was pretty late to be out, though. Yes, it was, you know. But back then, in those days, you know, I mean, uh, out late then, nobody bothered you, you know. Yeah. What do you think today somebody would think of Shining Shoes for a job? Well, they still do it. You know, it's, 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 it's a form of, of, of still hustling to make a living. I, well, I go get my shoes shined at now. All those kids in there, they, they doing they hustling, making uh -huh. a living, you know. And it, it beats ripping and running the streets, stealing, you know. You're making an honest living there. Clarence, can I call you Clarence? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, tell me about school in those days. Well, school, in those times, it, uh, uh, it, when you went to school then, you had, uh, you had to learn because they sent you to school to learn. And in those days, the teachers, they told you what to do and you did what they told you. You had to respect your teachers, you know. Mm -hmm. Because if you didn't, <laughs> at that time, the teacher could spank you. Mm -hmm. And nobody said anything. The principal, we had one of the best principals in the city of St. Louis. Uh, he was well respected down there at the Board of Education. And when we needed things for that school, he went down there, he got them for us. You know. So uh, I had a good life in, in when I went to school. What was his name? His name was Evans, John Evans. I think it was John W. Evans. What does your teacher, besides reading, writing, and arithmetic, did you? Well, the teachers then taught you more than reading, writing, and arithmetic because your teachers was close to you then, you know. They taught you the values of life, and the teachers was willing. See, teachers then were dedicated, and when a teacher is dedicated, they make better teachers because there's no pressure on them. It's the difference today is there's a lot of pressure on teachers today. And they have no control over the kids today. They had the teachers had control over you then. And your teachers was close to you. It was just like family. So it's, you learn a lot from your teachers then. Just more than riff, reading and writing and arithmetic, you know. Did you take your lunch to school? No, I never took a lunch to school. We had a, a lunch room. Uh -huh. yeah. And then we had little places on the corners that we could go and buy sandwiches and things, you know, no, thank you. And, uh, no, I never did. I never took a lunch to school. Mm -hmm. you know, 
And then when you got up to Rashawn, you had lunchroom there. So no, I never took that lunch to school. I can't hardly remember kids taking a lunch to school. Uh -huh. I just wondered how it worked. Um, and then, see, we were so close there in that area, you could go home for you lunch. Could go you home. Know? Yeah. And what did your mom do? Did she work? No, my mom was uh, uh, just worked at home all the time. How'd you happen to go live with your aunt? Well, uh, I, uh, I don't know what made me go out there and stay with her. For some reason, I still wasn't actually sure not she was a first cousin. I don't know whether Bert was sick or what. But I went out there for, um, stayed with her about eight months. Mm. I was doing that time I transferred from Lincoln and uh, I graduated from Riddick. I think she was sick or something. But so I stayed with her about seven, eight months. So the stores and the and um, everything you needed it was right there in the yeah. neighborhood. You know, we had uh, about four grocery stores. No, it, it was three grocery four. It was four grocery stores mm -hmm. <coughs> right there in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And then, if you went as far as about four blocks, you had chicken markets, fish markets, as you call them, and mm -hmm. all that was up there, you know. So basically, everything was in walking distance. Mm -hmm. Why do I have here? Your mom was domestic. Did domestic work? Well, she did a little of it, but mostly it. she she was at home. Yeah. And your dad had been a bellhop. Yeah, he bellhopped. Um. So you lived mostly in a in a segregated area. Yeah, so yeah, you lived in segregated areas at that time. And there was nothing uh, integrated then. You know. What about leisure time? I mean, if you had any, you went to oh, school. Oh yeah, you had play, and uh, we had things just like anybody else. We had a schoolyard. We played basketball. Uh, you shot marbles. Or you in the summer we would go to the schoolyard. We pitched horseshoes. Uh, we played baseball. Uh, we did all the things that uh, basically, I guess, white kids did playing. You know, you had a good, good uh, childhood. You know. Did was um, the Y Pine Street Y? Pine Street Y. Was that part of yeah, your life? Yeah, I, I would belong to the Pine Street Y. You know, after I got, uh, I guess, about nine or ten years old, I yeah, I belonged to the Pine Street Y about that age. You know. Did you ever go to Rivercliff? No, Camp Rivercliff. I never went out to Camp Rivercliff. What was happening downtown that, um, well, let me ask you this. So you lived in a, in, in an integrate, in a, in a, in a segregated area, and you had everything you wanted. Mm -hmm. um, did you go further downtown? With sure, if you went further downtown now, you're talking about uh, uh, down to the, the big department stores mm -hmm. and uh, Union Electric, Bell Telephone, McLeod Gas. You know, I used to have to go down there and pay the bills. You know, and uh, I could walk down there. You know, and sometimes I'd go with my mother shopping. Uh, famous, and, and at that time it was Sticks Born Fellows. You know, and uh, Scruggs, and uh, uh, all you the big, big department stores. We went to them down there. So. You went downtown and you went over to Union Station, and 
is that where you saw that that you were one color and there were other people? Sure. Of well, other color? yeah, yeah. Well, see, by me looking at uh, staying at the Union Station, you got a chance to see the world right there. Everybody came, rode the train in those days, you know. So you know that uh, you was it was a difference. Uh, well, even without seeing the Union Station, you know, it was a difference between black and white. You know that. Well, what kind of difference did you know at that time? I knew that I was black and they were white. I know that uh, they had better things than we did. You know, uh, I was taught that. You know, from the people that I grew up around. How, how so, do they teach you that? Well, I mean, you automatically, <laughs> I guess it would be hard to explain because you're white and I'm black, but you automatically, when you came in this world, it's something that dawned on you that you know the difference between black and white. Mm -hmm. You was automatically going to know that, you know. And as you got older, you know, people would, would the, the, you'd hear words and, and uh, you know the difference, you know. You know, when you went downtown, you couldn't sit at uh, at the counter with the whites. You knew that uh, you couldn't go to the same movies that whites went to. You had your own movies to go to, you know. We never rode on the back of the buses or nothing like that. You know, we didn't have a black and a white water fountains to drink out of. But you automatically knew that uh, you were segregated. Um, you talked about words. You heard words. You hear words from the black community, sure, or you right. hear words you, you from did, the white community. You heard community. it in the black community because you, 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 you know, was in the white communities. Well, you were in the station, and you yeah. You but met when over you were in the in the Union Station, that was just a uh, public place, mm -hmm. you know. But you know, was in a white community, you know. Clarence, what does it do to you? How does it? What does it? What does it make you feel, and how does it? When did it dawn on you? Well, at that, but at that time, you didn't. It didn't even dawn on you then. Mm -hmm. You just knew that was a way of life then. Mm -hmm. I never it did. It, 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 I never crossed paths because uh, when I went to South St. Louis to play baseball, we played with whites down there, you know. But really, the first time that that I crossed paths with whites was when I went into service. Mm -hmm. And that's when I first crossed my path with whites. And we had our differences, you know. It was when I went in service. But before then, I never had no differences with the whites. When you played ball, uh, were you playing uh, competing, or was it? Uh, no, we just went down. Yeah, right, you would be competing. Was it, uh, was that Vichon, or? No, that was just uh, uh, what you call sandlot ball, mm -hmm. you know. That's what that was. You mean you would wander on down there and right, just pick uh, up games? Right, right, and yeah. we'd pick up games. With, you know. So you were playing with them or? Yeah, you was playing against them. Against them, um, one team against yeah. another. Because, see, when you went to uh, played high school ball, or any kind of school, public school ball, now you played against blacks at that time. Everything was segregated. Mm -hmm. Nothing was integrated then. Well, where, when you went south to play, um, just well, to, to yeah, knock down around. in South St. Louis, yeah, down yeah. around Third um, Street, mm -hmm. Crownlet down in there. Mm -hmm. you know. And what would you have to cross over to get there? Was there? Mm -hmm. did you just well, you can just 
uh, it wasn't really nothing you had to cross over because all you had to do was just, uh, we would hop a truck and just go straight down Jefferson, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of different streets you had to go through, okay. you know, to get down in South St. Louis. Um, and you weren't concerned about going to South St. Louis? No, 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 no. I wouldn't be concerned about. Well, I, I hear that, you know, when I ask people where they feel comfortable in, in town, uh, where, where do you feel comfortable in town? When? You mean now? now mm -hmm. I feel comfortable everywhere. Do you? And, right? and, and there's no place where you'd rather not go? No, not me. No. See, this is my home. I know this city like the back of my hand, you know. I don't feel, I feel comfortable any place I go because the first thing, I know how to meet people. That's the first thing you got to learn is to meet people, you know. But just to be in a place where I'm not comfortable, no, not really. So many people say that they are not comfortable on the south side and, and they won't go there and they're afraid. And uh, that's all, and I think that's more or less in the man, you know. Uh, and then it's a kind of a life that they have lived, you know. Uh, I've never went in a place in these late years that I wasn't comfortable. I don't believe I even went around places that I wasn't comfortable when I was a kid. Maybe I just didn't know any better than that. Well, you work at Anheuser Busch. Right. So that's one of the most segregated places it is. That is the most segregated place in the city of St. Louis. That's so interesting to hear because they financially they give to this and they give to that and they make it possible for the yeah. Asians and they make it possible for Sure, right. that's, that's on top. That's, that's, on, that's top. on top. But when you scratch the surface, it's different. Okay. You got to remember one thing. They never wanted us at that brewery. We had to, to get out here and demonstrate to get to the brewery. That was the first thing. See, I never was asked to come to the brewery to work, you know. And Percy Green, was the first one to get out here and demonstrate. And then we went down there and demonstrated to get that job. I had to go through core, I mean, and then I had to go through the Urban League to get that job down there. Would you like to tell me about it, how you did it and how it happened? Well, it actually started off with Percy Green. And what, what are we in the 60s now? You're in the 60s. And he was the first one to go down there and start demonstrating. And then after a while, the rest of them went down there and started demonstrating. And then they started out with six. In 64, they fired the first six black bottlers. Fired them? They hired fired. them in 1964. They only had six. And then in 69, <coughs> uh, a few more came. I came in 70. You know, okay, then in 1970, you had a group of whites down that end. It was much different from the group of whites that you got down there now. 
the whites that you had down there in the 70s when I went down there was the same whites that we played ball against, fought the Golden Gloves with. We knew these guys, you know. And hey, they, they opened, the guys that was working there, they, they, they opened up to you, you know, after we got there. Oh, you had a few up there that, uh, that didn't want you there. But guys like Archie Daw, Lefty George, uh, those were the kind of guys that, 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 that opened up to you and said, hey, you know, they showed you the ropes down there. You know? Guys that you were working on the line with or right, something. Right, okay. right. These were white guys, mm -hmm. you know. And this was in the 70s that That's they opened right. up. That's right. This, this was in the 70s, you know. These were some of the few guys that uh, you, uh, because see, at, at the time, you know, to get hired that in, you had to have somebody to sign for you. Mm -hmm. Well, who did we know to sign for us? You didn't have no blacks working, so who was there to sign for you? And just like I said, when we went there, we went through Urban League. And by me, had worked at the packing house. I met a guy named Miller. A Jew boy, and uh, I was a stoesman at the time, and I used a to what? a stoesman. Stoesman. Yeah, all you did, uh, you uh, you went in the trucks and, and you loaded trucks. They called you a stoesman, and uh, 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 Miller was uh, like I say, he was a Jew boy. His father had a tailor shop up down Shoto, and uh, I used to admire his clothes all the time because. He dressed sharp, you know, and uh, we would talk all the time. So when I went to the brewery, I met this guy named Doggy. I can't, that wasn't his real name. We called him Doggy. And uh, we talked, and he found out I was from the packing house. And he asked me, did I know a guy named Miller? And I told him, yeah, well, him and Miller was good friends. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, I think Miller was in Florida at that time because the packing house had closed. But anyway, Dog and I got to be good friends, and so when I went into the union, he signed for me. He told me, he said, don't let nobody else sign you for you. He said, I wanted to be. Well, see, this was the type of guy Dog it was, you know. And I never will forget one day I uh, was at work, and he called me. I was on afternoons, and he called me, found out where I was, and he called up there. And he said, I got somebody I want to speak to you. And it was Miller. He was from Florida. He came up there for a visit, you know, and he was at Doggett's house, and we talked a good while, you know. Oh, nice. But uh, those were some of the guys though, from the old school, you know. But now, boy, it's a different story now. It's so, you can smell it. You can cut it with a knife. It's so thick down there. It's so segregated down there. And it's, 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 it's a lot of tension, a lot of it. They don't get along, you know, you, you stay in your place, they stay in their place. What do you think it is? It comes out of management, that's where it comes from. And if management don't try to control it, you know, see, they, they break it down in different levels. They got uh, the women against the men, the union against the company, the blacks against the white. 
See, and it's a lot of distinction there at all times, you know. Uh, it's nobody really, really, really pulling together, you know. Uh, you had a, a black guy that was running for BA, that's for business agent. Business agent. Right, and, and this is union. And just to show you, he was much more qualified than the white boy was. And the whites would have to run to him all the time when they needed answers because uh, this, this white boy, he just, he just not, he just don't have it, you know. And uh, anything that he wanted to know, he had to go to the black guy to get it. And if the black guy would tell him, he'd act like, well, he didn't want to listen. But then he'd go back to the lawyer and then he'd come back and tell the black guy, oh, I knew you was right all the time. But now, when it came time, he was president then, you know. So he wanted to run for business agent. The white? No, the black the guy. Black guy was and, and he president ran of the union. The union. Yeah, so when he, when he ran against him, I had a guy tell me. Now, I knew this guy did not like our business agent. This was a white boy. And that's the reason he got off the board of trustee. Because he told me, I used to talk to him all the time name was Mel Stump. Mel Stump? Yeah, and he told me he, that he did not like the business agent, you know. But now when it came time to vote, he told me that he couldn't vote for this black guy, Dyson, because <laughs> when he spelled it out, it was because he was black. Now here, you know, you, you, you know that uh, you was on the board of trustee and you got off because you know this, this guy wasn't qualified, you know. But because his skin is white and the other guy that's qualified, his skin was black, but you just couldn't vote for him. It doesn't, they can't get past the fact that the black that. guy that's is right. going to do something that's right. for the whole union. Right. That's right. And this is how he lost that election. It wasn't because he wasn't qualified, it was because of the color of his skin. And right now they still have to run to him and ask him different questions. In the beginning, um, it was something that was forced by Percy Green and Right, they, they, yeah, we, 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 we wasn't, we had to, to fight our way in there, you know. And they told me, I never will forget, this white boy told me, he says, you know, when we were boycotting him, you know, and all the black tavins and things were boycotting him out of the bush. And they tell, I never forget, he told me, he says, you all can't win, he's too big. I said, let me remind you one thing, I don't care what the dog on, how big a tree is, if you keep pulling at that tree, that tree gonna eventually fall. And he fell. Because he had to give in to the blacks' demands. When Jesse Jackson came here to talk to him, he wasn't going to talk to him. When Jesse he was, Jackson yeah, came to, talk, he, to you. talk to Anheuser Bush, and uh, he uh, he wasn't going to talk to him. So Jesse Jackson, uh, he didn't want a stool stooly to come and talk to him. You know, he wanted to talk to Bush. And Bush said no. But when we kept that boycott.
You're, um, you're talking about the, the services. Right. Basis. The armed forces, period. He couldn't take none of it. So he couldn't take his product on there. Well, that was a lot of money. And this mm -hmm. man was about money. So that's when he told him, and he met uh, Jesse Jackson out in California. Um, See, yeah. when they say Anheuser-Busch gives, 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 I guess he have to. Uh-huh. He did because he's forced to. You're telling me something today, I'll tell you. You know, I mean, it's not because he wants to. Because if he don't, how would that look? Well, it isn't Wayman Smith, is he? Wayman Smith... <laughs> It's a whole lot of white boys I'd rather deal with than deal with Wayman Smith. Do you mind that that I'm that you're saying these things and I'm gonna maybe put it in print? You don't care? I wouldn't care. Okay, I just I don't want to have you doing something you're not comfortable with. No, what can they do to me? <laughs> not too uh, much. <laughs> they um, can't do one thing but kill me. They can't eat me. <laughs> um. Well, just daily daily working down there is is difficult. Yeah, well, for some people, yeah, it's difficult. You know, see, they 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 got different rules for whites than they have for blacks. When I they done changed since blacks been there. You know, the rules have changed. Uh, they fired a couple of blacks. One was female, one was a black, I mean uh, a male. They fired them for absentee. They had to get a lawyer, but they got back. But whites were doing the same thing, and they wasn't doing anything. Wasn't saying a word, you know. So the deed was wrong, but right. they were only punishing. So they had to take them back. Or, or they could have punished the other people, but they chose not to. I'll give you a good example. I, uh, I take off every morning with the King's Day, okay? I take that day regardless. I march on that day. So a young lady that I know, she told me, she says, uh, King, she said, you know what? She said, you better go upstairs and check your record, she said, because they are uh, marking you absent for Martin Luther King, they said, well, they can't mark me absent for these last two because they are authorized now, you know. Before then, they wasn't authorized. They, she said, yep, yeah. she says, sure, I'll got you. She said, because I had to go up there. So I had to go up there and see her. In the meantime, I had to get one of the union delegates to make an appointment for me, you know. So they, they ran me around from one to the other, you know. So finally, I got up there, you know. And do you know they had me down for, marked me absent for them days. Well, in the meantime, my foreman, my uh, delegate and all of them went and told us, hey, so wait a minute, say, that's the wrong person. Say, this man does not take off. He said, but he was authorized that day. And my foreman told me, he says, King, he said, you better go up there and, he said, you better go get the business. And he said, because, there's something wrong with this woman. See, I wouldn't even told her. You was authorized for that day, mm -hmm. you know. So it didn't do no good, so that's when I went ahead to get one of the union officials to go up there with me. And when I went up to that office, 
And I never had been to her office before, you know, because my record was clean. But see, she had put down and, and, and like they told me at the house, they well, I don't see why you would want to big, pick such a big, make such a big mess out of this, you know, deal out of it. See, cause I said, but I don't want it on my record. It's, I don't believe I, I should have to have it there. Mm -hmm. So when we went up there that day, and this is the honest guy, too, she had my record out just like that. And uh, so I started reading my record. And uh, this president was there, and I said, uh, Dyson, I said, look at here, like that. He said, what? I said, look at him. And he told me, he said, Shirley, he said, what is this? She said, it's a rubber man. That's what it was. He said, I know it's a rubber man, but it says Ed Saeed on that. His name is Clarence King. I said, hey, don't know I go with it. I said, don't know I go with it. But I said, if she want me to have that, I'll take it. You know, boy, she turned red as a beat in the face. Oh, so she... You had the wrong name or the wrong? She wanted to give me something so bad, I guess, until she done got the <laughs> wrong name. And then the guy's name is she, he's dead now. I, I told him about it. He's a white boy. And me and him was a boy. He just fell out laughing, you know. But see, these are the kind of things yeah. that, you, that you had to go through down there, you know. It takes a lot of energy, doesn't it? Uh, but this is, this, this is a, a, a everyday thing that you're constantly going through, you know. Now, some whites, that's like I say, I get along with fan. It's a guy that I work with in my department. I, I get along with this guy, fan. Beautiful person. But <laughs> they always say he's a troublemaker. I'm a troublemaker, you know, because we get along so well together. Oh, he says that? No, no. everybody else will say it, you know. That you're a troublemaker. Yeah, and that he's a troublemaker. Well, it's it's like it's not, it doesn't, when I listen to television and when I listen to radio and when I read the paper, it's like, what are we going to do about all this? And I always wonder why everybody doesn't realize that it's up to you and me and each of us individually, wherever we are, to make that difference. and be kind and reach out you know, and be nice. It, it, it can be broke down. Sure, it can be if every single person would like to. But it seems as though when, no matter how hard people try, it's either if you're trying to get ahead, then somebody calls you something because you're trying to get ahead. It, it, it's, it's a strange phenomenon. It takes up so much of all of, all of, I can't. Was this a gradual thing in Anheuser Bush? The change towards with attention? Yeah, I, I think so. It, yeah, it's gradually started changing. <clears throat> you know, I, I think it. What happened now was uh, they started. They wanted to change the rules, but because the blacks was were doing some of the same thing that the whites were doing, but they just, I guess. It was, it was it was your foreman. See, I, I don't think so much it, it was Anheuser-Busch itself. See, it's, 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 it's the people that he has working up under him. Now, who is he? Are, you talking, are we still talking about Mr. Bush? Yeah, it's, it, it's Anheuser-Busch himself. You know, I mean, it's, it's not him per se. It's the people that he's got working under him. Mm -hmm. See, a lot of things down there, I don't figure he really knows. 
Now, Mr. Bush is dead, yeah. so we're now. We're talking about the son. We're the talking son. about the. Well, has, has it changed a lot since since the? I tell you died? what, what, yeah, it has been because I tell you what, with Junior, he's so stern. Until if he finds something out like this, some heads gonna roll with him. Uh, I don't think he plays this 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 game that they're playing out there. But see, it's a game that, that, that they play with the blacks down there. You know, uh, they 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 have control, okay, over you because you're working up under these foremans and things, you know. And a lot of these foremans came from a little country towns, you know. And they done got up here with blacks, and now these blacks are doing just as well as they are, and they can't, they just don't want to accept this. Are there, you know? are there black foremans? Yeah, you got black foremans down there, and some of them ain't worth nothing, you know. Uh, like I say, it's the individual mm -hmm. himself, and he, he's got control. He's got a white boy here, this, 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 this. Uh, he's a racist, and, and he's got control of these blacks, you know. So here is where it comes about. You know, he's got control, he has, he has the authority, you know. See, everybody that you give authority to can't handle it, you know. Because, see, you got to be open-minded and fair. You got to take people as individuals, you know, and not by the color of their skin. And uh, you're a bottler. Mm -hmm. So that you are on an assembly line, is it? No, I'm not on an assembly line. Okay, I'm tell in, me what a bottler I'm in a, does. A, 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 a bottler does everything. Okay. okay. You might be uh, a clerk. You might be in the lab. You might be in the cleanup gang, or you might be on the land. All that's pure bottlers because they pay everybody the same. Okay. See? Now I'm in the cleanup gang. I make just as much as that guy do on the land. Do you interchange, or, or is that your job? That's my job. At times, now, I have to, might have to go out there on the land, say, uh, when things get slow, sometimes I might go over there and stay about a day or so, something like that, you know. And the gang that I'm in, I've been down there since 1970. And I'm the only black in that gang. It's, it's put down there a little white gang. Hmm. Straight days, it's lily white. And how does that gang get formed? Okay, now, when I got in that gang, they just picked you at random, mm -hmm. you know. So they picked me, and the foreman, that, uh, his name was Elmo. They picked me and put me in there for a day, take me out, picked me in for a day a week. And he went up there and he told, uh, the supervisor, he told me, he said, I think we got a black guy that uh, kind of likes this work, you know. Okay, so he come and answer me. I told him, yeah, I said, but now wait a minute. I said, what is this paying? I said, if I come in here permanently, he said, it pays the same as anything. I said, fine, you know. So, okay, they put me in that game, okay. So then they put me on uh, days and afternoons, you know. I, work two weekdays, two weeks afternoon. Well, they put me on the swing game, 
okay, but you still had a straight day gang. Mm -hmm. uh, the swing gang cleaned the offices in, in, in the bathroom. So, <coughs> excuse me, I, when he left, he got hurt. Well, he didn't get hurt, he had bad knees, he had to go get operated on. So the guy named Bill Murphy, he was his, he was a foreman, so that, that left him in charge when he was in the hospital. So he was telling me one day, he said, I sure wish I had somebody that could do this job like you're doing and stay on, on straight uh, afternoons. I said, well, I wish I could get it. He said, do you want it? I said, yeah. He said, wait a minute. So he left and come back about 15 minutes late. He said, you got it. Okay. So I stayed on that for about nine or ten weeks. I was perfectly comfortable with that afternoon job, you know. Anyway, so when Bill came back, he told me, oh, no, he said, you, you this ain't gonna work, you know. I said, "What you mean?" He said, uh, "That that straight uh, that that straight afternoon shift, say it just ain't gonna work." He says, "In fact, he says uh, this ain't gonna look right. You're gonna have to come on days." I said, well, "Why?" He said, "Well, he says we don't have a black on straight days." And so at the time, you know, I didn't know that uh, I couldn't have a straight afternoon, you know. So I, I came on straight days. Now that's how I got on straight days. I was just, uh, what you say, a figurehead there. You know. They had to have one black on straight days. It's because it wouldn't look right. All these other games got black in them, but you didn't have a black in, uh, in the cleanup game. And that was in 1970-something, I'm still on a black that's in that straight day game out of 20-something years. How do you handle what you feel? What do you, what do, you do with your feelings? Well, sometimes you just, you just have to hold it in, you know. A lot of times you don't spill it out because what good would it do? Because they're going to say, well, we got a black in the game. But you only got one black there. Who's going to fight it? The union's not going to fight it. The union's predominantly white. A white boy ain't going to go up against another white boy. Well, what do we need? Another Percy Green? Is it you need a Percy Green. You need a Percy Green out here bad. But you know what? Now they done cut Percy off. He can't get a job in this city. You tell me about that. Percy was a threat to the white man. Because Percy Green was a type of a person, he wasn't afraid. And if you know anything about Percy, you know he wasn't afraid. That job he had out to McDonald, he, it didn't make him no different. They fired him out there, but that didn't stop him from demonstrating. And on every big major job that you have in this city, Percy was the cause of it. See, you, you have your, 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 your Percy Greens, your Bill Bailey's, your John Wells, all these guys was out there on the land demonstrating. You had Clay at one time was out there. 
he was on the land. You know, you, you don't have those guys out there anymore. Did you know Ivory Perry? The last march that we marched before Perry got killed, boy, he was so happy that and I, 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 I couldn't understand why he was so happy. Oh, he was just jumping and shouting that day, you know. And uh, yeah, I know him well. We used to march together. And well, he had the book. And yeah. He, I, I met him around. Yeah. Uh, his book was fine, but he made one mistake in that book. He said that, if I'm not mistaken, it was, he remember when we rode on the back of buses. We never rode on the back of no buses in St. Louis. And I was born and raised here, and, and, and he came out of Arkansas here. So I would know. But he was, he had a heck of a book out there. Yeah. Did you read his book? Yes. Uh, well. Maybe. And some of the things that I'm telling you, uh, if you think back in his book, you're picking up some of them right here. Well, he made it a science. Yeah. Or just, um, okay. Well, it's very fascinating. Um, what, what part did you play um, either in observing or were you part of core or no I came in on the end of, 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 of core I was demonstrating all the time but I just never did, did, did join you know mm -hmm. but I was in on it all the time I was in on all your marches and things when you had your first uh, big march here in, in 1968 after King got killed that was the that was the only big march you had in St. Louis, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I demonstrated down there in front of the Jefferson Bank. Uh, in fact, when we went back behind the 25 years, uh, I was there. And uh, last year I was there. Well, no, that was this year. This year I was down there. This, this, uh, I think it was in September, August or September we were down there. Wasn't there a banquet at 25 years? Yeah, um, yeah, they had the banquet. I was at the banquet, you know, and uh, I went to Washington. And uh, the last big march I was on was in uh, Cummins, Georgia. This was about eight years ago. When you think of leaders, black leaders in St. Louis, um, do we have any? No. Uh-huh. Truthfully speaking, no. Did we have any? Yeah, oh yeah, you had them. Who, who would, did you well, perceive? I told you, Percy Green. Percy. Bill Bailey. You ever hear Bill Bailey? Well, I know a Bill Bailey. I interviewed a Bill Bailey, and I, somebody told me that there were two Bill Baileys. This, Not that I know. this I Bill know. Bailey um, was last working at the city hall down there. That's Bill and Bailey. Bill Bailey was, right. wrote the postcards right. to that's, everybody. That's right. He was the one. Bailey. Uh, Bailey and I came up in the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Bailey was the one that was instrumental in getting me 
in the marches. Yeah, he had a, did he have a shoe? Shoe that's right. He had the shoe shine parlor up down. The first one was on Jefferson Avenue. I think his last one was on Sarah Street, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, when I, the last, the last March, Bill and I went together to come in Georgia. Are you the same age? He's, he's a little bit older than yeah. I am. Bill is older than I am. But he got you involved in the yeah, marches? Yeah, he got me involved in that. Just by talking? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, that was a leader. Bailey will tell you if you give me 10 people with a reason and a cause, we'll demonstrate. He worked for City Hall and demonstrated in front of the mayor's house. You know, that's a leader. Yeah, yeah he's in a home now. I didn't know that. Yeah, in fact, I got to go see Bailey. He's out off, off of uh, Chamberlain out here. It's a home out there on Chamberlain. Is he ill? Yes. Mm -hmm. He had a couple of strokes. Mm -hmm. They brought him down to a couple of uh, King's Day marches, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and now they didn't bring him down to this last bank thing. But uh, that was one of your leaders. Um, he was gentle. Very much so. I'd like to take you back, unless what am I missing right at the moment? What's on your mind? Hmm. Well, nothing but the time that I was left here and I went in service. Okay. You know, I left home when I was 15 and I went in service and I learned a lot while I was in service. You went in service at 15? I was 15. How we, how'd we do that? <laughs> okay, well, you had to get an affidavit saying I put my age up. So you were finished, did you finish high school? No. I just started. I came back after I come out of service. Okay. And I went back to school. Yeah. But. Uh, so you had to get an affidavit. I'm yeah. sorry, to interrupt. Put you. my age up to 17, and uh, then that's when I really just started finding out how things were segregated. You know, blacks on one side, white on the other side. And the first conflict that I had was with whites was in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. And we had a big conflict up there, you know. And from there, when I went to Virginia, you stayed on one side, they stayed on another side, but we still wore the same uniform. And when I went overseas, that's when I really found out about it how dangerous the white man was in somebody else's country. He would go over there and segregate these people in their own country. He had one street for blacks, one for, for, for whites, you know. And they never had that before the white man came. What country are we talking about? We're talking about Japan. We're talking about the Philippines. 
In what year is this? We're talking about 1946. And you were in Japan in 46? I went in Japan in 46. So that was MacArthur? Yeah, MacArthur had it. And, and what do you mean he put whites on one street? Well, you had certain streets to go on, you know. And uh, that was your era, you know. Oh, that you could go on? Right. Right. He didn't lie you on these other streets. You, you know? mean you couldn't go to the same bar or right. tavern That's or right. whatever? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And. I mean, it was off limits? Yeah, that was off limits to you over there. And then. Well, much the more army was segregated then. The still. army was segregated then. See, the army didn't get integrated until uh, Truman. Started. I forget what year it was. Really, I not and I never did really get into the to the to the integrated army because I was out of it. They it had started, but I never did see any of it. I was out before it really got integrated. But it was supposed to have been integrated when I was there, but I didn't see any of it because when I left out, I was in <coughs> Fort Riley, Kansas, and. We stayed in barracks on the low end of of of, uh, of Fort Riley main post, and they stayed in on another end. We stayed in the wooden barracks; they stayed in the brick barracks. <coughs> Was there something easier about staying in your area, own area, as a child and working? And then you get out. Well, like I say, you know, it was according to where you were going when you got out. You just couldn't go out in the do unless you were working or something out there, you know. These were the areas that uh, was forbidden to you. Did, you did you ever go out to the do? Not as a child. And as an adult? As an adult, when I went out there, it was all right to go there. And what would you do when you went out there? Well, I was passing through. I'd go shopping, things like that. Are you comfortable? Yes. Funny thing about money, it'll spend anywhere. They don't know no color with money. And when I go, like I said, I'm shopping. You know, I'm spending money. Um. I don't want to get away from the uh, armed services before we're through um, with that. So, what uh, what was happening in Japan at that time? Well, really, I I didn't stay there that long. I got in Japan just about couple of days and then I shipped out. Mm -hmm. I was there long enough to go in town and see what it was about there, you know. And then they had a shipping order to come out to the Philippines. And uh, I stayed there about two days and I shipped out. And that's when I went to the Philippines. And it was the same? It was the same. It was the same identical way it was in Japan. The only difference was was the weather. 
it was warm in the Philippines and it was cold and damp in Japan when I was there. Did the host country uh, acknowledge any differences? They didn't acknowledge anything. They turned their head to it, I guess. Back to this country. Well, what you wait a minute? What did you want to do? You mean in life, period? No. What did you want to do when this was happening to you? Oh well, I mean, just like I say, you struck out. You know, I mean, uh, you. If, if 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 it came in front of you, you struck out at it. The best way you know how. If it was a fist fight or whatever, you know. If he called you nigger, boy, you know, you struck out at him. They did that on purpose? Sure. Just to, just to be ugly. Yeah. I mean, why would a person just jump out and call you a nigger? That means that he's, he, he's got something against you. You know, nothing Clarence, but hate. Clarence, you, you, you're a, a gentleman. Uh, you taught me something over the phone by telling me to be careful and sure. where I'm going and what I'm doing. And you're a human being. Yeah. You, you and I don't care what color you are, but you're still a human being. And going in different neighborhoods, I don't care black, white, Indian, Chinaman, or whatever. You gotta be careful, see, because they know no color out here now. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm I'm appreciative of that. Uh, as my husband says, I, you know, I said he said you gotta hear it from a different person sometimes. Yeah, sometimes really to, to make the bell ring. That's right. Um, but I'm leading up to something. You're you're a, a, a good person. You're an intelligent person, and we're sitting in the city hall right now where you're an alderman, and when we came into this, the courtroom that they allowed us to have this morning, you went to your own desk or whatever. I mean, you're, you're familiar. So you're, a, you're accomplished. You're, you're, uh, and how, what does that take to... to it, 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 it takes a lot of wanting something out of life. You know, you, you just don't let... If they knock you down, you get back up again and get back in the race. Because you, you, you just can't stay down. Because it, you, you got to get up in the race and, 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 and be in this race to accomplish anything in life. I don't care how small or how large. You know, you got to, but you got to want something out of life. You know? And where I came from, you know, because from outhouses and things, you know. But I knew I always wanted something out of life, you know. That's what my mother always taught me. What did you know? she teach you? She always taught me, I don't care what you got or what you do, do it the best to your know-how. I don't care what you got, but try to keep it intact. If it ain't but one pair of pants, wash those pants. You might not can handle them, but wash them. 
put them up under the mattress and sleep on them. But keep yourself clean and intact at all times.